Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. So today we're going to be going through the Commander Precons for Dominaria United. So there are two decks. There is a Mardu Legends Legacy deck, which is all about legendary creatures. And we have a Wooberg deck called Painbow, which is all about casting uh, spells with incredibly onerous mana costs and having creatures with lots of colors. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of cards to go through. Um, we're going to start with Legends Legacy. But before we jump in, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits, including ad free episodes for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's jump into Legends Legacy. Uh, and we can start with the face commander here. So I'm going to read this off. This is Dihada Binder of Wills. One red, white, black for a legendary planeswalker, Dihada. She has five starting loyalty. And plus two, up to one target legendary creature gains vigilance, lifeling, and indestructible until your next turn. Minus three, reveal the top four cards of your library, put any number of legendary cards from among them into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. Create a treasure token for each card put into your graveyard this way. And minus 11, gain control of all non-land permanents until end of turn. Untap them, they gain haste until end of turn. And of course, it wouldn't be the face commander if it didn't have this line of text, but the Hada Binder of Wills can be your commander. So both decks uh, have a Planeswalker commander as their face card. Uh, what do you think about Dihada? Well, um, I'm going to talk about her in a vacuum and we can talk about them compared later because I have mm-hmm. a lot of thoughts about them both together. Um, but in a vacuum, I do actually think you can do some interesting stuff here. So obviously this is a Legends Matters card. It's pretty notable that the minus three if you don't hit any legends, just gives you four mana every turn or like every time you can activate it. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty silly. Um, but drawing four cards is also nothing to sneeze at. So that's pretty funny too. I mean, the plus two is good at a bunch of stuff because it gives a bunch of abilities, vigilance, lifelink, and indestructible. You can like, and Diata herself is a planeswalker. You can just wrath a lot. Um, because you'll be able to keep the best or most important thing. So that's really good. So that's something else that she can do. Um, and then I'm not going to mention the ultimate because it's it's a play. irrelevant. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's going to happen because she's your planeswalker and you're going to see her often enough that it'll happen. But um, I mean, it takes three turns of build up and then you activate it. So like the fourth turn after you cast her. Yeah. Uh, no, I also the thing is though, if you're building the Wrathy build, I think you're going to do it more often because That's like, true. you're going to have a blocker and it's going to be good, um, and it's indestructible until your next turn, and you're also wiping the board. So I do think it'll happen a lot. But then, if so, you'll get up to pretty high numbers. But then there's also kill spells to reckon with, and there's also like if you're wrathing the board, how good is it going to be? Mm-hmm. so it's it is whatever there's going to be games where it's relevant but that, that's not how i'm evaluating the card at all yeah. you know uh, i will say that like you are in probably the best color identity for land destruction and her minus three is pretty good at breaking symmetry on mass land destruction effects mm-hmm. yeah that's definitely true so like yeah 
Yeah, so it it seems like it could be kind of a, a mean commander if you're really building into the abilities because it's just like um, a lot of control, potentially mass land destruction, uh, just like, you know, you kind of leave the board, this de- desolate wasteland, and, and you're able to scrape by and eke out a little bit of advantage with your yeah. commander. Yeah, Diata is... It's funny that she's the face commander to me because she looks like she's voting for like a smaller, more controlling game where you're like building other people down. Um, it looks like that's where she's the best. And um, I'm pretty sure we saw that with Estrid, right? So if mm-hmm. uh, now that we're talking about it, this isn't something I thought about in a moment, but I'm pretty sure Estrid ended up being a pretty controlly commander too. <laughs> <laughs> No, people are just playing all of the green and white draw card spells. That looks like what Estrid has turned into. Uh, But did they put a stasis in there or like similar effects? That's Uh, the real question. It's not in the top cards, which is actually pretty pretty funny. Top enchantments. It is in the top enchantments. I do see that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So people are putting some ways that even the most casual players are putting in some ways to break symmetry on it. Mm -hmm. Ooh, and... I'm seeing Winter Orb in the... Uh, yeah, in the artifacts. <laughs> yeah. Good, so very good. good. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So people do put stack stuff even in their casual face commanders is basically what I'm looking for here. Mm-hmm. And Diata is basically just another one of those. If you can, like, Nev's Disc or Desolation <laughs> or um, a bunch of different cards then Diata's going to get you a win pretty easily and you, all your friends are probably going to leave you after like a game mm-hmm. or two. So that's that's what I think about Diata. Um, I don't know if you have any last thoughts before we move on. No, I think we can move on to the other commander for this deck. And I think this one is a lot more proactive and fun. Um, this is Shannon Sleeper's Scourge. Uh, it is one red, white, black for a 2-4 legendary creature human knight with menace. Other legendary creatures you control have menace, and whenever you play a legendary land or cast a legendary spell, you draw a card and you lose one life. Uh, yeah, this seems way, way more fun. Um, yeah, and where Diata was kind of like voting for like a pretty small game, a very controlled game, Chanted is the opposite. Just like put as many things here as possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have as many creatures, draw as many cards. Like we want to go big. We want to hit people so yeah i i think this is more fun this is usually what most players are pretty happy playing it's kind of like i'm gonna grow as opposed to like i'm, I'm gonna tear you down exactly yeah so mm-hmm. this one seems really cool it's really interesting to me i guess they just wanted a planeswalker as a face but um, yeah this yeah, is so more fun <laughs> for sure uh, so as a, a couple reminders, we've seen a lot of commanders similar to this in the past. So and uh, so we've got like a lot of data points for how to build this type of thing. Typically, when you see something that like when you do X, draw a card, you want to go for the cheapest X possible. Like you could fill your deck with a bunch of five and six drop legends, but then you're drawing like one extra card per turn as opposed to potentially drawing many if you're willing to throw in stuff like Rogue Rack or Mox Amber or something like that. Um, so I, I think this deck is like 
the most powerful when you're just like flooding the board and using all of your mana to cast a bunch of guys and refilling your hand. Um, that does mean that like the card quality is going to be lower than if you were to concentrate on more expensive things, but you can kind of make up for that. There's a way, there are ways to um, get to, to make your legends a lot better once they're already on the board. For example, there's like Heroes Podium, which is itself legendary. It's a five cost legendary artifact. Uh, each legendary creature you control gets plus one plus one for each legendary creature you control. So it's kind of like a code of it has an activated ability, but that doesn't matter. Um, it's kind of like an act. Uh, it's kind of like a coat of arms for legendary creatures. So you can just play a bunch of cheap guys to draw a bunch of cards and really fill out your board and then drop a hero hero's podium. And then suddenly they're more formidable threats and there are some um some legendary creatures that also can make your guys bigger like merton stromgald mm-hmm. uh when it attacks other attacking creatures get plus x plus x until end of turn where x is the number of other attacking creatures um so that's another way to turn your crappy little weenie rogue racks and such into more formidable uh creatures yeah there's also like uh the Oh, what's his name? Micaeus the Lunark and stuff like that that you can mm-hmm. tap with counters on guys. There's Arvad the Cursed that just is a straight plus two plus two to all your legends. So that's a pretty good like curve topper. You know, mm-hmm. you go like a bunch of guys. Uh, your commander is four mana, uh, so you can get even more guys. And then Arvad's five mana, so you just drop Arvad when mm-hmm. you're ready to slam. So it's pretty cool. There's, there's actually like a lot of cool stuff to do in here. You're in Mardu, um, so. There's like a million different spot removal spells, whatever you want, whatever your heart desires, you can <laughs> can put in here. Not as good as like uh, Azorius, pro- or not Azorius, the... Um, uh, Abzan. Abzan, thank you. That was <laughs> the A word <laughs> stuck in my head. Um, but pretty good. Uh, and then there's obviously like a ton of just other good things we've gotten, especially like... <laughs> can can we talk about something that's really interesting about this deck where a lot of the cheap legends really enjoy like equipment and there's also a decent amount of like legendary equipment at this point yeah yeah so that, that it's pretty interesting actually to see that <laughs> there's there were a bunch of things that i just put in here because like oh eater of virtue is you know a one cost legendary permanent so That'll just help me keep the ball rolling. But, you know, there it does certainly have synergy with some of these. Uh, like, for example, Arden fits in the deck pretty well and is great with all these random uh, legendary equipment you're running. Um, there's a couple other cards that just play really nicely. Like Zerda, for example, can also reduce the equip costs on mm-hmm. your legendary equipment. Yeah, you um, could do like SRAM and stuff like that to as cheap two drops that is going to draw even more cards when you play. Oh yeah. That's a good idea. Equipment stuff like that. So that's also a really interesting thing about Mardu is like they've expanded like the equipment themes throughout the years. So there's a bunch of really cheap, but I actually forgot that eater of virtue was legendary until I saw the list. I was like, (laughs) Oh, they, why did they, why'd they do that? <laughs> they had to justify it being a rare because it would mess up limited at other rarities. That's so funny. Yeah. I think it's really cool in general that this deck is Mardu. 
I think they should do some more enemy color decks in general. They just have been like kind of dropping the ball in the mana base. We'll get to that later. Um, and nowadays with the sensibilities that they have with deck design, like looking at like the new Capanna three color decks, I think they do some really cool stuff, good stuff that they, the, those color identities kind of need. So I don't know, crossing my finger for more stuff like this, because this deck in particular just ended up being pretty, pretty interesting, honestly. Yeah. So. Oh, I, I do want to say one more thing before we move on. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you reminded me when you started talking about mana base, but this oh, yeah. deck also does have kind of an interesting mana base oh, because Shannon yes, yes. does trigger off of playing legendary lands. Um, so in, in my build, I kind of just stuffed all of the legendary lands that tap for colored mana in there. So it, it is kind of nice to have like, you know, maybe a quarter or a third of your lands just draw you a card when they enter the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that like uh, you some of them are a little bit harder to pick up and it will probably just become more difficult as time goes on. Um, there, because there were, for example, like a couple cards in Legends, like Urborg. That this is the original Urborg that removes First Strike or Swamp Walk from creatures, but also taps for a black mana. And there's a Hammerheim, which adds a uh, taps for a red mana and removes a land walking ability from target creature until end of turn. Kind of funny that like Urborg removes Swamp Walk and Hammerheim removes any land walking ability. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I've thought about this before. I was like looking through a rare bin one time or like a junk bin and was like, huh. Well, they're not junk anymore. They're both like in the twenties. Yeah. In terms of- <laughs> yeah, the the times have changed. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, it is it is nice that um this deck is able to just draw a bunch of cards off of its lands pretty easily. I would be care the the precon comes with a couple things like Gyre Reach Sanitarium and and one or two other legendary lands that tap for colorless. I don't know if this deck can afford that. Like it, it's a three color deck. You're playing a lot of cheap spells, which means you're not going to have as much generic mana costs. So I don't I I don't think I would try to fit in legendary lands that ta- can't tap for colored mana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, I think that there's probably a sweet spot for some people that uh, like live in life on the edge. If you're like someone who really likes basics for whatever reason, then you're probably going to want to stick to the monocolored. But if you're someone who likes duels in general, and you have like a pretty expensive mana base, you might be able to get away with playing a few more colorless ones. Um, but I don't think you need to do either of those things, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of up to taste. All right, uh, I'm ready to move on if you are. Yeah, this one is <laughs> insane. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 let, let me introduce these by saying that because it is a, a deck all about legendary creatures, they did introduce a lot of new legendary creatures in this list. So uh, whereas typically when we do a pre-con, it's like here's the two commanders and then we go into the main deck cards. The main deck cards are almost entirely other new legends. So we've got yeah. a, a lot of talk, a lot to talk about here. Um and we can start with Zarium Golden Wind. So this is three and a white for a three, four legendary creature Griffin. It has flying. And whenever a Griffin you control deals combat damage to a player, create a two, two white Griffin creature token with flying. Um, well, let's 
break this down a bit because the ability is certainly very powerful. Yeah. Um, here, yeah. you assuming you can connect, you're doubling your griffins every turn. Um, but the the thing that's not immediately apparent when you look at the card is that griffins are not a very deep creature type. Even if you mix in the changelings, you've got then like less than sixty options. And you're trying to fill out a 100-card deck. So you're going to have to run a lot of bad cards. And the worst part is, like, uh, your commander costs four. Um, The vast majority of griffins cost four or more. So unlike some tribal commanders, you're not going to be able to, like, curve into your commander very well. Um, It's just going to be a lot more awkward. Like, maybe you'll get one in like an average hand maybe you'll get like one griffin that costs less than four mana and then maybe you can play a four mana griffin and then cast Zerium on turn five but it's it's going to be very rare that you get to go like two three or like two drop griffin three drop griffin Zerium, get two more griffins uh it's 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 not going to work out that way most of the time yeah absolutely i think there's something that's really interesting is that griffins as a creature type and we've seen this a few times, but never really as much as with Griffins. But for some reason, Griffin as a creature type, well, I guess Ox, but there's a lot less of them, are relegated to the common like mid-game flyer for white limited environments. So there's a lot of like 4-mana 2-4 flying or 4-mana 2-2 vigilance flying. Um, and they always have flying, so that's you can, you know, you're going to get in there, probably, maybe. Um, there's like Griffin Protector, which is a two three flyer. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, he gets plus one plus one. And honestly, that's one of the better Griffins. Um, so it's interesting. I think definitely the list we're gonna post is like I think the list most people are gonna want to see. So uh, the list we're posting is like pretty much just the best, like cutting the chaff the best griffins things like true conviction to like make sure they can do their thing um and then stuff like urza's incubator so that you can actually cast them and and enough mana rocks that you can do that um but i honestly think like if i was going to make zerium i think i would just play all like some of the griffins are good enough to play there's um like matenda griffin which is this funny one it's a 2-2 flyer for four mana three and a white and it has white tap return Matenda Griffin to its owner's hand and return target Griffin card in your graveyard to your hand. So like I would keep stuff like that. And then I would keep all of the like two and three mana Griffins like silver beat Griffin, which is a white white for a two, two flyer um, and just play stuff to support them. And a, a lot of the new white, like reanimation things like the uh, uh, ascent of awareness and whatnot. And uh like the grand crescendos of the world that we have now flawless maneuvers and try to just like do as much as I can giving the few Griffins double strike as opposed to trying to <laughs> jam a bunch of like mm-hmm. four mana two twos. Like, cause it's, I, as much as I love Zerium, like the, the question that it's asking you to answer is, um, the answer might be simple, but it's not, one that you want necessarily to yeah you, we can only hope that like the existence of zarium will cause wizards to be a little bit more 
thoughtful about the future griffins that they print. Yeah, um, absolutely. Like, I, I hope that, you know, because Zerium exists, maybe they'll think like when, when they're designing the next like three cost white flyer for limited, they might ask themselves like, oh, could this be a griffin? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, well, we can we can only see what happens in the future. But as of right now, it is rather clunky. But I mean, if if your opponents like leave you alone or if you get like a really lucky start, then it certainly can snowball pretty well. But um, mm-hmm. there's just a lot of draws that look awful, <laughs> like three lands and four, four drops like, oh, <laughs> good yeah. luck. Yeah, there is. You do get one of the cooler lanes that's ever been printed in uh, Griffin Canyon, which mm-hmm. is from Visions. Uh, it says tap Adder Color Spana, or it says tap untap target Griffin. That Griffin gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. So, a kind of a way to give pseudo vigilance, a funny onboard combat trick. It's it's pretty rad. The art's pretty great. Um, it also yep. was drawn by Stuart Griffin, which is hilarious to me. Yes. Oh my God. They really had a sense of humor back yeah. then. <laughs> um, I, I will say that Griffin Canyon is on the reserve list. So. If you expect a lot of people are going to be building Zerium, it may behoove you to pick that up early. And then same with Zuberry Golden Feather, oh, yes. which uh, was a Griffin Lord from all the way back in Mirage. Uh, that's another card on the reserve list, which is cheap, uh, relatively cheap as the time of recording. But that may change in the future if Zerium uh, is a big hit with the commander audience. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So watch out for those. Um, but Let's get on to the next commander, I guess, because there's, like you said, there's a bunch, and this next one is a hilarious blast from the past in a similar way. So can I read this one off? Uh, Yes, go right ahead. So this is Bladewing Deathless Tyrant. So Bladewing is a 6-6 dragon skeleton with flying in haste for 7 mana, 5 black red. So that's pretty big cost, you might say. Uh, it says, whenever Bladewing Deathless Tyrant deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker, for each creature card in your graveyard, create a 2-2 black zombie knight creature token with menace. So, you get in there at all, and you have an army in a can, just immediately. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, assuming you have enough creatures in your graveyard, but you know you're, you're a black-red, so there's a decent amount of ways to make that happen. Yeah, uh, one, so, okay, there's a couple ways you can do this. Yeah, um, yeah. You can run creatures that sacrifice themselves, so, uh, like, flesh bag type effects are really good for this. You know, there's a lot of those at these point, like Playcrafter, Merciless Executioner, Demon's Disciple, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so, there's also things like Bane Whip Punisher that can sacrifice itself to, well, when it enters the battlefield, it puts a minus one, minus one counter on target creature, and then you can sacrifice it to destroy target creature with a minus one, minus one counter on it. Uh, so that's another way to get a creature into your graveyard while getting a little bit of value. There's also Bone Shredder, which is two and a black for a one, one flyer. It's a creature for Exian minion. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, destroy target non-artifact, non-black creature, and it has Echo. So you can just cast it, blow something up, not pay the Echo cost, and then it'll just be sitting in your graveyard to account for Bladewing later. Um, so there's a handful of cards like that. Um, I'm not going to read all of them, but another thing that works pretty well is, uh, creatures with cycling, especially low cycling costs. Um, just because these don't really cost you any cards. Um, a lot of there's 
over the years has been a fair number of relatively cheap cycling costs. Um, so you can kind of just like churn through your deck a little bit, uh, fill up your graveyard just kind of with the spare mana you have lying around. Like if you finish your turn and have, you know, one or two mana open, it's just, oh, okay, I'll, I'll cycle a creature, which will eventually count for Bladewing um, using mana I wasn't going to do anything with. No, I, I think this is pretty cool. I think the cycling angle is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. There's also been like decent amount of cycling stuff and payoffs. I think one of my favorite cards in the list, whether you're doing the cycling version or not, is Undead Gladiator because it kind of gives your other cards like funny cycling. So Undead Gladiator is a 3-1 zombie barbarian for 3 mana, 1 black black. Uh, it was reprinted in Masters 25, so you can get them pretty cheap now, too. Um, I think they were always pretty cheap <laughs> thinking about it. But um, it says, 1 black, discard a card, return Undead Gladiator from your graveyard to your hand, activate this ability only during your upkeep, and then it has cycling for 1 and a black. So even if you're not doing that, if there's just like a clunky thing in your hand that you're, you're like, I'd don't have uh, time for this demon or whatever it is like like i'm dying i need an answer um you can just kind of cycle this get rid of the demon to cycle again keep moving that way i think that's pretty cool like just gives you like a pretty consistent discard outlet um other things that are really cool in this deck um wheels (laughs) Mm -hmm. we live misfortune those kind of things uh always very good when you want to keep your hand full you want to be able to protect your commander and or just blow up other stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> clear the way so that it can get in there, um, and also fill up your graveyard with cool creatures. Um, again, you're black red, so there's just creatures are dead if you want them to be. You got so many kill spells: uh, fire covenant, infernal grasp, chaos boar. You know, you're, they're all you're also yeah. You're also in color for a lot of good uh, mass removal. So I I feel like this deck is just um, it's. Seems like basically a control deck because on the turns leading up to you casting Bladewing, you can kind of wipe the board when you need to or just cycle cards and dirt a bit when you don't need to kill things. Um, and then eventually Bladewing will come down and it'll make you like five zombies or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, another card I want to mention that's just really good at filling your graveyard is Mismeric Orb. Uh, it's, it's such a low investment uh, initially, but oh, it... Yep over the course of the game, it will just put so many extra creatures in your graveyard. Um, and then another thing I wanted to mention, like because you're in black red, um, there's a fair bit of like mass reanimation spells. So yes. Balthor, the Devi- the defiled, for example, is two black, black for a two, two all minions get plus one plus one and you can pay black, black, black and exile Balthor to uh, make it so that each player returns all black and all red creature cards from their graveyard to the battlefield. Uh, so assuming that you know you don't have a lot of black-red opponents or just your opponents haven't been self-milling or cycling as aggressively as you have, that's probably going to work out a lot better for you than it does for them. Um, there's also Command the Dread Horde, um, Rise of the Dark Realms, Living Death, Twilight's Call... They're just a fair number of cards that'll um, help you get a lot more value. Like if, if for example, if you're, yeah, tearing through your library. Pretty yeah, quickly. yeah. You, you know, at some point you may like do a little calculus and figure you can, you might be able to win easily, more easily if you bring back all your like five, five cycling dorks than if you just rely on Bladewing. So something to keep in mind. 
Mm-hmm. So really cool. I I really like this deck. I really like any big stupid dragon that's playable. And I love that they said attack a player or planeswalker mm-hmm. so that you don't have to do the wrong thing to get your reward. You know, like it always blows when you're like, you have to attack the planeswalker to eat your veggies and then you're just sitting there for a whole other turn like waiting to do the thing your commander wants to do. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I really enjoy that about this card too. Um, and the next one has a lot you can do with it when it's your commander. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, can I read off this next legend? Sure. So this is Moira Urborg Haunt. So Moira, Moira is a 3-2 spirit wizard with menace for three mana, three and a black. And they say whenever Moira deals combat damage to a player, Return to the battlefield target creature card in your graveyard that was put there from the battlefield this turn. Um, so it's funny because I can imagine this just being a rare in a standard set, but the fact that it's a commander means you can actually like plan around it and do some really cool stuff. So uh, we mentioned Banewit Punisher earlier. Uh, it's a creature with a sack ability. Um, basically all of those same creatures are pretty good <laughs> in this deck because you can... Put a minus one, minus one counter on something, sack Banewit Punisher uh, to blow up something else and or the same thing. Uh, get in there with Moira, get your Banewit Punisher back, put a minus one, minus one counter on something else. Uh, there's a bunch of creatures like this, Garza Assassin, uh, you can sacrifice to give like minus ton, minus ton to something. What is it, like four or five or something like that? I can't remember off the top of my head. Garza's Assassin? I think yeah. Garza's Assassin uh, just, just sacks to killing. blow something up, yeah. Okay, there's one of those ones that... Oh, it does just blow it up. Yeah, Saki to blow it up. I was thinking of the one that like taps to give minus something, minus something from the same set. Or I'm pretty mm. sure it's the same set, right? Well, there. so there is a, a thing that if you have a bunch of snow lands from Kaldheim, it's like one in a black for a zero four, and you can tap Sackett to give something minus X, minus X, where X is the number of snow lands you control. Um, what am I thinking of? I know there's a guy that's like tap... Oh, Disciple of Tevish Sot, but he's not good. He, I mm-hmm. thought it was just tap to sack him, but it's six tap sack him. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, yes, not, not, not quite good. So okay. Well, I mean, you could put him in here if you wanted, though. <laughs> it <laughs> sure. still, still works. But um, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff like that. And like, I don't know. Do you want to get into some other pretty good creatures that you can recur in this kind of vein? Yeah, so a lot of, I mean, a lot of the cards we, we talked about um, in Bladewing are, are good here. You know, the the flesh bags, the bane whip. Um, I'd say uh, it's also just useful for, I was thinking like maybe because you're playing out of your graveyard a little bit more, you might even want to think about Mind Slicer. Um, oh, yeah. But that might be too. I, I mean, you kind of have to have a setup for that to, one to be really strong. Um but I think it's it's just great that you can get so much value off of such a cheap commander. Um, and of course, like you're on color for pretty good recursion. So even if you sort of like uh, miss the chance to get something or, or like, you know, it's in your graveyard and you're no longer able to more it. You can just get it back with like a Phyrexian Reclamation or something. Yeah. And, and yeah. something too that's cool about moira and and not just because of what moira does but because of what the designers have done is like make a three mana commander like this Mm -hmm. is like three mana commanders just do their thing earlier so even if you're not doing anything crazy powerful you're gonna have fun because you're 
doing your game plan like way before the blade wing player is you know Mm -hmm. so that's also something i really like about this is that you can get moira down you can start doing your thing like as early as like turn like three or four where a lot of uh decks like this in the past have not been able to do that so this is (laughs) pretty cool for that reason i've really been into three mana commanders a lot um Still think four mana commanders are where it's at, <laughs> but but we have another three mana commander to talk about too. Do you want to read off this next guy? Yes. So this is Varric Warped Sengir. Uh, it is one white black for a two two legendary creature vampire. It has flying, death touch, and lifelink. And whenever you act, whenever you activate an ability that isn't a mana ability, if life was paid to activate it, you may pay that much life again. If you do copy that ability, you may choose new targets for the copy. So the uh, obvious best use has been going around the community a lot, and that is, of course, fetch lands. Uh, if you crack a fetch land, you can copy it with Varric, and you get to get two lands. Very exciting. Um, so this deck is going to have just a lot of ways to pay life. So Font of Agonies is very good. Um, for those who aren't familiar with it, Font of Agonies is a single black mana for an enchantment. And whenever you pay life, you put a counter on it. Uh, and Or sorry, put that many blood counters on it. And then you can pay one in a black and remove four blood counters from Font of Agonies to destroy target creature. So if you're expecting to pay a lot of life, whether that's to your fetch lands or, or other abilities, um, this is just going to get you a lot of free kill spells over the course of the game. It's something also that's interesting about this card is just like how few things that you have been asked to pay life for over the years that you don't want to do twice. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of creatures that like pay life to like put this card back into your hand from your graveyard or pay life to regenerate. And you're like, Oh, there's a, <laughs> there's like a lot less things in this vein than I would have thought. Um, so I think one of the things that is most interesting about this deck is like, if you take Carrick, who turns your like black costs into life payment, you can turn a lot of abilities into life payment abilities, which will then get copied. So that one is really cool. Um, I'm not sure who found that little note. Cause that was not me. I'm not going to take credit for that one, but <laughs> it's pretty, that's pretty rad. You can do some pretty crazy stuff with that trying to think of any other cool tips and tricks i think this deck is just kind of going to be a blast to play in general between like the fetch lands and then all the other like funny activations are going to have this is like a different take on white black that we haven't really gotten before looking at activated abilities but also dealing with like life and life payment and probably life gain so that you can keep paying life and Mm -hmm. stuff like that so yeah it is nice that the commander has lifelink so if you're willing to do a little bit of voltron uh you can get back a bunch of life in order to further spend it on your activations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess, I mean, let's keep on moving. We got a few more <laughs> legends for this set. Um, this next one is Cadric Soul Kindler, and Cadric is a dwarf wizard. Uh, they're a 4-3 for 4 mana, 2 red-white. And they say the legend rule doesn't apply to tokens you control. Uh, and then they say whenever another non-token legendary permanent enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay one, such so a generic. 
if you do create a token that's a copy of it, that token gains haste, sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. Um, so, yeah, do you want to get into some of the stuff you can do with this? So, uh, I, I saw this and, like, my mind immediately went to combo. Um, so there are a couple legendary creatures in this color identity that can combo with Kadric, assuming you have a sack outlet that produces mana. So if you've got like an Ashnod's altar or a Phyrexian altar or a Thermopod, uh, then you can play. I'm going to walk you through these lines really quickly. Um, so one that slots into this combo is Gerard Weatherlight Hero. Um, so Gerard is two white red for a um, three, three legendary creature, human soldier with first strike. And whenever Gerard dies, Exile it and return to the battlefield all artifact and creature cards in your graveyard that were put there from the battlefield this turn. So you cast your Gerard, then Kadric triggers, you pay the mana, you get a second Gerard. Then what you do is you sacrifice the initial Gerard, the, the real one, to your sack outlet. And then in response to the death trigger, you then sacrifice your token Gerard, uh, let the token gerard's death trigger resolve so you would exile the token and return to the battlefield all artifact and creature cards in your graveyard that were put there from the battlefield this turn that includes the real gerard whose like death trigger hasn't resolved yet so when the death so you get to bring back that gerard the death trigger like when it tries to resolve it it just isn't able to because he's no longer in the graveyard uh and then gerard entering the battlefield again triggers kadrick again So you can keep going through that loop and because you're sacking things to like something that generates mana, you'll always have, you'll be netting mana. You'll have the mana to pay for this uh, trigger on Kadric, but also just a little extra for yourself, uh, some walking around money. (laughs) Uh, So that is, and also in the process, because Gerard can reanimate other creatures and artifacts as well, you can just be sacrificing your other creatures like you know, any ETB creature or, or something that does something useful when it dies or, or comes in um, and constantly refreshing those and getting a bunch of value that way. So it is infinite mana, but it also is potentially like an infinite reanimation engine. So that seems pretty good. Um, yeah. The- yeah. It's, it's <laughs> funny that like Boros is kind of dipping into like mono red has gotten so many things that can combo. It's funny to see that Boros is starting to get some of that too, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty cool. All right. Let me, let me read off one more combo and then we'll talk about non combo applications. Um, So the other combo is very similar. It also uh, will most likely require a sack outlet, but this is Abdel Adrian Gorian's ward. Oh yes. So four and a white for four, four legendary creature, human warrior. When it enters the battlefield, exile any number of other non-land permanents you control until Abdel Adrian leaves the battlefield. Create a 1-1 white soldier creature token for each permanent exiled this way. So, uh, you cast Abdel. Uh, you Kadric triggers, you get to make a copy of Abdel, and then the copy comes in, and the copy can then target Abdel with the, the exile ability. So what you end up with is a token copy of Abdel and underneath it is your Abdel. 
So you sacrifice the token copy to your Ashnod's altar, your Phyrexian altar, your Thermopod, whatever. And then the original Abdel comes back and you can go through the loop again. So in the process, not only are you uh, making infinite soldiers, because when the the token Abdel swallows the original one, you'll get a 1-1 soldier. But uh, you can convert, convert any number of those infinite soldiers into mana with your altar. So it's also infinite mana. Uh, and if you have any like ETB creatures, you can also be blinking them with the Abdel in the process because it is exile any number of other non-land permanents you control. Uh, so that's pretty strong as well. Um, that So th- those are like the main combo lines. Unfortunately, like white red doesn't have a ton of ways to find all these pieces like if you want to get one of these legendary creatures you've got like your thalia's lancers and you've got your i think it's search for glory um mm-hmm. yeah it's the three mana snow sorcery that looks yeah. for a legend or snow or saga or whatever yeah so there's like a couple cards but not a ton so it is a little hard to do this consistently and then it can also be tricky to find your um the sack outlet you need to make this work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like, honestly, something that I would do for this is I, I know this might be a cliche at this point is like wheels and reanimation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cause you have like all of the trash for treasures in red. You have all of the new like reanimate spells in white. So just tearing through your deck at a vast pace kind of doesn't matter what you're giving your opponents because you're going to, find the combo line before they are and you're going to find the reanimation you're going to be able to set stuff up so that's another thing you can do but let's get into like the non-combo applications because there's you have like i think the silliest most normal one is like you've mentioned two specific angels that are just pretty good um but i have like one thing that's pretty funny too if you're okay with me going into that sure sure um so it's really easy to to turn on merit lage basically you can thespian stage with dark depths um there's like a few other ways you can solemnity with dark depths you can do a bunch of stuff um we've had a friend do basically a merit lage the deck with um oh what what was the commander? The snow guy from uh, Kaldheim. Oh god, what was his name? Uh oh, Jorn. Or Jorn might be might be Jorn. Your yeah, exactly. So the the god of s- the snow or winter. Um, mm-hmm. And that I mean, obviously you're in green, so it's a little easier to find it. But it was incredibly easy to just get a merit lage. And I think that's just true of magic nowadays. And I think that's true of this deck as well. You even are in color for some different ways to trigger merit lage. And you're also, uh, and not even just with merit lage, you're in color. You have some of the better populate cards. So not only just getting a merit lage and populating it, but some of these other creatures that are just really nasty and boros and populating them. I think this is a deck that I would play like Geared's Belligerence in, um, and I might even play like, well, the, we we just got in the new competitive decks, we got determined iteration, which mm-hmm. like makes, uh, populates a token, like, and then sacks it at the end of the turn. But that I think is still worth it when, uh, you're populating like a Gisela <laughs> or something like that. 
like having three Gisellas is a lot better than having two, which is a lot better than having one. Um, but I would even play like Awake the Reflections, which is just white for a sorcery that says populate. Because if you mm-hmm. have something that gnarly, paying one mana for another one is like trivial, you know? So yeah. Rootborn defenses, populate creatures you control, gain indestructible. There's a few of these things that are like good enough to warrant playing in this list in particular because your tokens are just so crazy. It is also worth mentioning uh, that there are ways to cheat the uh, sacrifice trigger. Uh, if you've got like a Sundial the Infinite, you can just exile or end the turn with the oh, yeah. sacrifice trigger on the stack and then you'll get to keep things around forever, which is pretty sweet. Um, and then there's also, you can also phase the tokens out and that will also save them. So if you've got like a, I mean, Teferi's protection works, but even something like a, oh, what's the, the spirit guardian? <laughs> no, he was just printed. I know his face, uh, guardian of faith. Ah, thank you. Um, yeah. So guardian of faith, for example, is another way you could do it. Um, so there's ways to keep your, your tokens around for a little bit longer. Uh, just be aware that um, you. This is a deck that like really, really wants to protect its commander. It could go very badly for you if you know you've got a whole lot of twins out at once, and then somebody kills Cadric, and your army just gets cut in half instantly. Yeah, um, always a fun time. You know, yes, you love you love to see your your board get just decimated immediately. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, yeah, but I I do think this is an interesting deck in Boros. So happy to see like more exploration in this color, um, and just something that's like gnarly, <laughs> you know, like something that's like wow, that's really strong, um, and it's just kind of hidden as one of these like new legends in this uh, overall fairly uh, low powered commander deck. But we'll get to that <laughs> at the end, I guess. <laughs> Um, is there anything you want to say before we move on? Uh, no, I think we can head on to the last legendary creature, although not the last card from the Legends Legacy deck. Um, so next is the Peregrine Dynamo. It is three mana, so just three generic. Uh, for a 1-5 legendary artifact creature construct, it has haste, and it has one tap copy target activated or triggered ability from another legendary source that's not or sorry copy target activated or triggered ability you control from another legendary source that's not a commander you may choose new targets for the copy and just as a reminder mana abilities can't be targeted so uh i want to start by saying that i love that wizards is finally kind of acknowledging the colorless identity um Mm -hmm. There are so, so few colorless commanders out there, and the majority of them cost literally 10 or more mana. The majority <laughs> of colorless commanders cost 10 or more mana. Uh, it's it's so wild. There's just so few options if you just want to play a deck that gets started before like turn six or something. Um, so I'm happy to see a new colorless commander that is reasonably costed, but... As a commander, he doesn't have a huge array of like colorless legendary permanents with abilities worth copying. Um, like I, I recommend you check out the just do a quick like scryfall search or something 
there's only about a hundred legendary permanents in the colorless identity. And a lot of them just don't do anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so th- th- that being said, like there's a couple good ones. If you copy, like when you, if you copy the activation of a inventor's fair, um, you could assemble a combo. Like you could get both halves of some two card combo. If you copy a mind slaver activation, you can mess up two players instead of one. That's probably pretty good. Um, if you do manage to get a legendary Eldrazi out, like copying the annihilator trigger is uh, very close to game over for whoever's getting hit by it. Um, but like the quality of the effects you're copying, like just drops off very steeply after that. Um, you know, there's maybe another 10 cards where it's like, oh, I get to draw a second card during my upkeep off of this, you know, uh, Eye of Vecna or something. But there's just only, there's just not that many cards that have meaningful synergy with Peregrine Dynamo. Yeah. I I do want to say you, because you do get every single Karn. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you can use every single Karn with this guy, and those are pretty good. You, know? you can fail to find cards from your sideboard twice with mm-hmm, uh, the Great mm-hmm. Creator. Oh, there's th- there's three other good ones. Now. I, I know, yeah, I know, I know. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> no, I know. It's it's good. Um, you can counter the same spell twice with Kozilek, the Great Distortion. <laughs> so, no, yeah, it, it is interesting that there are... Um, Again, it's like with the life payment one, when you actually dig into it, there's not as many as you would think, but there are enough that you can have a good time with it, I think. like, I, I really do feel like if you want to do... Um, if you want to do this deck, you'll find the ways to make it happen. Um, so, and, and there's a lot of artifact synergies, obviously, in, in Colorless, so it... I still think this is a cool commander, and if I see you sit down with it, um, I'm assuming you're going to Mindslaver lock me, but we'll find out, I guess. Um, but I'm also interested to see what else you got in there. Um, and I think that does it for the the Legends. I think let's get on to... Um, we got some more Legendary Permanents, but they are not Commanders. Um, can I read off this first one? Go for it. So this... First one is an equipment. It is the Reaver Cleaver. Uh, it's a legendary artifact equipment for three mana, two and a red. It says equipped creature gets plus one, plus one. Trample, and whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker, create that many treasure tokens. You can equip it for three. So, uh, yeah, this just seems like an instant staple in red. <laughs> like, <laughs> equipment decks, you know? Like... Yeah, I, I I am excited to like put this into Arden lists. Um, Absolutely. Like paying so okay. First off, you're paying six mana to get this thing rolling. So you in you want to make sure that you're like either cheating the equip cost with like an Arden or maybe like a Zerda, um, or that you're just slapping it onto something so enormously big that you're going to be mana positive anyway. So Voltron yeah. builds that are, are going to make their commander big naturally. Uh, there's also a lot of like red Voltron commanders with double strike, um, which are is likely to be extremely good with the Reaver Cleaver. Um, it's also worth noting that if the creature you're putting on it, it on is big enough, this could create some combos with Aggravated Assault or Hellkite Charger. Um, 
maybe if you've got enough lands to throw away, you could kind of combo with uh, oh, uh, the, oh gosh, what's the retrace? Um, red, white, extra combat. Uh, oh, um, waves of regression. Waves of regression. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, it does just produce a ton of artifacts if your deck cares about that. And it mm-hmm. produces a ton of tokens that you could like overwrite with the Brutoclad or you can just, you know, if you have a Galazeth list, um, this is a way to just make a whole lot of mana rocks that stick around forever. Uh, so there, there's a lot of uses for this. Um, I mean, treasure builds, sure. Uh, if you've got like big enough dwarves in Magda or, or like, you know, it's certainly there's a point where you're making enough treasure where you could just like sack five treasures every turn with magda although doesn't take that many activations to win with her yeah that's so true um anyway yeah there's a lot you can do with this it's a pretty cool card yeah no absolutely so really into this i think there's just a million applications and obviously treasure is very good so we're gonna see it more with this because this is very very good Mm -hmm. um the last card in this deck uh, it is called Gerard's Hourglass Pendant. It's a legendary artifact for one mana. It has flash, and it says if a player would begin an extra turn, that player skips that turn instead. Uh, it also says four tap exile Gerard's Hourglass Pendant, return to the battlefield tapped. All artifact, creature, enchantment, and land cards in your graveyard that were put there from the battlefield this turn. So this is a little like mass removal protection um and or perhaps you could could do it yourself you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so i i'll say that like re i'm not very excited to use this card reactively um you know if you're planning like in response to your to somebody's wrath of god uh you know to pay five mana to drop this in and activate it after the the wrath resolves um that's like compare that cost to like a Boros charm or a heroic intervention or like just even a counter spell or like a grand crescendo. There is just uh, so many ways to like protect yourself from a board wipe more cheaply. Um, but like you alluded to, this could be pretty interesting if you're, you know, if you've got a plan to make use of it if your deck is is running a lot of math re- mass removal um or even like armageddon effects it's it's so good <laughs> with this yeah. if, if you have the the you know 8 or 9 mana to play your armageddon and activate gerard's hourglass pendant in the same turn uh you've probably just won the game yeah <laughs> uh, so that's good uh it i was also thinking it could be kind of hot in like a titania list um so oh yeah so like Titania has a lot of ways to sacrifice its lands because whenever one of your lands is put in a graveyard from the battlefield, you get a five, three. Um, so if you like sacrifice all your lands to anything, a spitting spider, I don't care. Um, or a Zuran orb and then activate your pendant and get them all back. It's just, you got a million five threes kind of for free. Uh, so that could be good. Yeah, no, I think that's cool. I think this is, I mean, it's going to see play in really like niche play groups because of the like skip extra turns clause on it. Um, I think that's 
definitely just going to be true because this is a one mana got you if someone time warps themselves, you know, like this is basically a one mana counter spell. Um, so if you're in a play group that plays a lot of extra turn spells, this is something that's really interesting, but I don't think that's the primary use for this. I think you pretty much went over everything that I would think about this card too. So, um, I don't know. I guess before we get into the next deck, like, how are you feeling about this one? What's your what's your general take? Like in a vacuum, looking at this deck list, these new cards. How do you feel about the uh, Legends Legacy deck? So I'd say uh, okay. So like, it's hard to th- think about like the deck cohesively because so many of the cards um it introduced we're kind of just like focusing on how to build the round around them as commanders yeah I, I do like that it introduces a lot of new and interesting commanders like that's that's great um but in terms of just like playing the deck it, it doesn't seem like it's building around dihada that much like yeah it's got one it's got kaya's wrath is the only card that like really plays into like i'm gonna have one legend and i'm gonna kill all of your stuff um the i think it like might be a bit better for the other commander um it like it, i don't know why they just chose to go with the planeswalker theme for this maybe they thought it would make it more exciting but Shan- yeah. like it the deck seems to work a lot better with shannon because there's a fair number of cheap legends uh so you can like you just trigger shannon a bunch and commit a bunch of guys to the board and turn them sideways or something um i uh, it's it's fine um the i'm more interested in like the the cards than the deck i think this is you're probably better off just buying singles if you like you're not it doesn't make sense to pay 40 dollars to get your copy of zarium or whatever yeah Um, (laughs) and also like a circle of loyalty you know or whatever else is in there heroes bleed (laughs) there there is a shizo death storehouse so that is a a nice reprint that's cool Um, but yeah you're uh i'd say like eh, maybe skip the deck and ooh, interesting they're reprinting sword of the chosen i wonder yes yeah that one's cool too yeah um Um, the, the only thing i would add to this is like merely in like aesthetics thing where like a lot of the legends that they're printing in this deck are getting their new border for the first time with the like little legend like em- bold like embossed thing like frame mm-hmm. so that's the pretty cool crown yeah yeah the little crown so like finally like a tajik with the little crown on it um there's gonna be like a kothafed well he already had his own crown so it's fine oh that's that's <laughs> true ashling the pilgrim is a big one too that i think is like has a lot of fans that i think would be happy to have like a nice looking fancy bordered one so mm-hmm. that's just a personal thing but we have so many more cards to go through so let's get into uh-huh yeah yeah Let, let's get on to the second deck but honestly i think we're gonna spend way way less, way time. less time that's true not only because there's you know only two legendary creatures to talk about but also i think just like most of the cards aren't nearly as interesting um but let's let's get into it pain bow yeah i uh, <laughs> can't believe they've done this i can't believe they've done this. uh the commander is jared carthalian uh it is a legendary planeswalker jared with five starting loyalty it costs 
white, blue, black, red, green. Uh, it's plus one is create a three, three Kavu creature token with trample. That's all colors. It's minus three is choose up to two target creatures for each of them. Put a number of plus one plus one counters on it equal to the number of colors it is. And minus six return target multicolored card from your graveyard to your hand. If that card was all colors, draw a card and create two treasure tokens. And Jared Carthalian can be your commander. Uh, what do you think about Jared? Um, that's a great question because I don't think much. <laughs> um, I love the five color Kavu. So like the plus one making like a five color three, three Kavu is like, whoa, like that's a pretty good plus one. Okay. I'll give him that. Um, there are things like uh night of new, uh, Alara that like turn that into like an eight, eight. So that's not like okay, cool, I can I can see that. I can see that as a theme. Mm-hmm. But then you get the, like, minus three, choose up to two creatures for each of them, put a number of plus one, plus one counters on it, equal to the number of colors it is. Okay, like, now I'm just doing a worse Night of New Banalia, so what am I going to just have a bunch of, like, five-color creatures in here? And I, my minus three didn't really give me any, like, value. It just is, like, a bad anthem for two creatures. Okay. And then you get to the minus six, and, it, like, yeah, he enters with five loyalty, but, like, minus six like return a thing to my hand and like if it was five colors get to treasure like I, I just really don't know like what the point is like i don't know if i'm ever going to attack a jared carthalian because yeah like, it's so underwhelming i care so little yeah. about any of these abilities from an opponent's standpoint like mm-hmm. it's fine have your get your three three once per turn you're yeah cool. <laughs> absolutely so um if that's what i'm doing in five colors then you know sure so pretty pretty weird i i just assume that it's going to be five color good stuff like i know that he wants you to play with wooberg cards and that as we get into these cards is going to be like the the theme five color things but um i think it's just they didn't push that enough or hard enough or in the right directions you know yeah it it feels like this design does not acknowledge exactly how difficult it is to cast this card Mm -hmm. like especially if you know especially with this deck's mana base or even just like a budget mana base uh work is not easy and like the power of the cards should take that into consideration and i'm not seeing it here there's Mm -hmm so many planeswalkers with such with like much easier mana costs even like planeswalker commanders with much easier mana costs that are more powerful than this card um so i really dislike this as a commander yeah <laughs> yeah no it's not not the best i mean so we there is another uh five color commander in the deck so this deck had two of them so do you want to get into the next one Sure. Uh, the next one is Jensen Carthalian Druid Exile. It is green-white for a 2-2 legendary creature human druid. Whenever you cast a multicolored spell, scry one. If that spell was all colors, create a 4-4 white angel creature token with flying and vigilance. And it has 5 tap, add white, blue, black, red, green. So as a 5-color commander... Um, it's just kind of wild to me that like 
both this card and Gigantha exist. Uh, like Gigantha, like like clearly this deck is all about casting Wuberg spells, but Gigantha just does it for a single tap. You just have to yeah. tap. <laughs> rather than pumping in five mana to fix. Like, n- like this card doesn't really do anything. This it just seems like I I barely care about scrying one. Even the four four angel is not that exciting to me when it requires. I mean, with with like a couple exceptions, but for the most part, it's like I you have to commit five mana to a card to get the four four angel. Compare that to something like I don't know a, a sigil of the empty throne, where you can I cast my exploration and get a four four, uh, and that's it's just this this card doesn't do anything. I, I anything this card can do, I would probably just rather do with a Gigantha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think the one thing about this card that's interesting that, like, I couldn't find a good, like, a, well, I mean, I guess I could just build it. I, I haven't had time to build this list. Is basically things that make a lot of mana for, like, specific purposes. You can filter through Jensen into, like, Wooberg. Um so let's say your Val Candle Keep Sage makes a ton of mana, uh, but you can't spend it on spells in your hand. So what do you do? You throw it through a Jensen Carthalian, and now your spells in hand have a ton of mana you can use. Um, so there's like funny stuff like that. That's where I would kind of probably focus. But then you're just five color combo, and like that's a lot of five color. <laughs> and and even then, like. Mm. If you like really want to do Val stuff, you just play Val. Like, yeah, it's like, just like, I don't know if the filtering is valuable enough to. Mm-hmm. And that's just one example. There's just like a, a there are creatures that do stuff like that. Like you can't spend this on spells or whatever, and like Jensen will transfer that to something else. But like maybe someone in listening has like something they want to do with Jensen that we're not seeing because I'm I'm kind of with you on it. I'm pretty low. I, I was thinking commander. the I was thinking like maybe you could do something like the the scry one if it's in combination with like draw engines uh it it will certainly like decrease your likelihood of fizzling mm-hmm. so maybe if you've got a bunch of like cheap uh multicolored creatures I'm thinking things like um wild canter or burning tree emissary that are like cheap or mana neutral. And then you combine this with like, you know, beast whisper or a guardian project. Like it, if your deck has enough of them, but even then like, you know, good multicolored green. Uh, I, 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 okay. I might just need to do some digging, but I don't think that there's yeah. enough multicolored creatures that are cheap and worth running that, you would want to like try to combo with that instead of like just lopping off the red black and playing Chulane or something. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know. Okay. Next card is mana cannons. Uh, so this is two and a red for an enchantment. Whenever you cast a multicolored spell, mana cannons deals X damage to any target where X is the number of colors that spell is. Uh, I was thinking like in a, a general Ferris Rokerick deck, like, yeah, like yeah shock is not great but a whole lot of shocks in a deck that's all about trigger that that wants to trigger 
Rokarik a bunch of times uh, really is going to add up and will like clear out blockers or, or even combine a couple of them and kill bigger things. Um, so I, I think this seems pretty good in that list. Maybe you could consider it in like a, I don't know, like a Ramos charm deck or something. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Niv Mizzet like 5.0 or whatever, like the, I think it's 4.0. Yeah. 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 Um, but, but yeah, that seems fine. Um, it's, it's, I think it's a neat card to add to the format. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that like, it's, even though it like seems like it's not that much, like if you can just trigger it a bunch of times, then that's fine. That's going to clear the board of like a lot of small, like value creatures, at bare minimum, you know, so I, I like this card. I think this is a really good addition to the format. Mm-hmm. Um, I think really just like if you build your deck and you look down and there's like 38 multicolored spells looking back at you, this is when you want to play <laughs> your mana cannons. And most of the time you're not going to do that. Like I'm amazed how many decks I'll put together, even in like three colors. And I look down and there's like four multicolored spells, <laughs> you know, like not, not a lot. <laughs> so, um, do you want to get into probably one of the weirdest cards they printed in a long time? Yeah, this one, I I would expect that uh, this one causes the most confusion of any card in these precons. Yeah. Um, this is Falaji Wayfarer. It is two and a green for a 2-4 creature human scout. Falaji Wayfarer is all colors. This ability doesn't affect its color identity. Uh, and then in reminder text, it can be in any deck whose commander's color identity includes green. And then multicolored spells you cast have convoke, uh, which means your creatures can ha- help cast those spells. Each creature you tap while casting a multicolored spell pays for one generic or one mana of a color that creature is. Um, so I'd, it, I gotta wonder if it wouldn't have been better just to like, maybe trade a little bit of functionality for a card that's a lot more understandable. Like, I feel like this could have just been worded as uh, creatures you control have tap, add one mana of one of this creature's colors, spend this mana only to cast multicolored spells. And it loses a tiny bit of functionality because like Falaji Wayfarer like wouldn't have the text setting its color identity, so it couldn't be like a birds of paradise, but that does like, you know, 90% of the same thing and doesn't confuse the hell out of people, <laughs> especially like the, the people this deck is targeted at. And, and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll talk a bit about that later, but um, anyway, uh, I, I think this could like, this actually could have been a pretty interesting face commander, like rather than just a random card in the main deck. Yeah. Because what if you just imagine like uh, you've got like a Guardian project out or Beast Whisper or some other draw engine and then you just like chain all the one mana value hybrid creatures one into the other. Um, Like that could be pretty sweet, it seems like. Mm -hmm. Um, But as it stands, it's just like I don't think there's many decks that like are highly specialized in multicolored spells the only one i could really think of was like rien uh mm-hmm. who was like a, a sort of a box topper exclusive legend from like m19 or something um but she gives multicolored creatures plus one plus oh and whenever 
a multicolored creature dies, you return it, or like multicolored creature you control dies, you return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. So she's really incentivizing um, multicolored creatures. So that would be a deck that where this card would make sense. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, I'm I mean, not sure so, where else I would put this. Yeah, I. So something that it does do is it turns on like a few cards. So your Bloom Tenders and Faeborough Elders, like, become like even more nuts uh, than they already are. Like they guarantee the five mana activations. So that's pretty good. Uh, and then Chromatic Ori and Soul of Ravnica, everyone's favorite blue mythic, um, both have an activated ability that draws cards for each color of permanence you control. Um, so just drawing five guaranteed every time. Uh, but like, that's literally all that does. That, I, I mean, are, yeah, but like, are people really like using Scuttlemutt to? To unlock the potential of their bloom tenders. Yeah, I have no clue. I don't know. I mean, maybe <laughs> that's a good question. I don't think so. Well, the reason I'm bringing that up is like if you're already playing those cards in a deck, whatever deck that might be, then maybe this is like something that will work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't specifically like build a deck around Falaji Wayfinder. You know, there's, I don't really know what that would be. I think, like, if you're running those cards or any of the commanders we talked about, it might work out for you. But, like, yeah, what a strange card. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, speaking mm-hmm. of strange cards, <laughs> we're going to be saying that a lot today. Yeah. Um, all right. Next, next card is Iridian Maelstrom. It is white, blue, black, red, green for a sorcery. Destroy each creature that isn't all colors. So only the Woobergs survive. Uh, which means this is like, I, I mean, there's, there's so few decks that are just going to have like more than one Wuber creature yeah. on the battlefield at a given time. Like it's, it's kind of like a cheap dune blast in your five color commander deck. Um, but like the cost is still such a pain. Like this is so annoying. Um, I, I just, I, I don't think I can recommend this card like almost anywhere what do you think yeah no i um (laughs) i don't know it's like if you basically what it does is if you're playing a five color commander it doesn't blow up your garth the one-eyed you know Mm -hmm. like that's kind of like what this does is it's like i am playing scion of the year dragon and now everything else is dead and so i can kill you with my combo that's kind of how i see this card so i don't really like think you're gonna keep a board i think you're gonna like have a first sliver deck be like oh crap i didn't they killed all my slivers so let's keep my first sliver around and keep rebuilding or you know like that's like the only application i can really see for this Mm -hmm. card um so that being said like because most it looks like most of the five color cards are legends in them of themselves because it's not like you're going to be keeping your like fusion elemental (laughs) around Yeah, yeah you know so yeah, that's it. Do you want to? Do you mind uh, getting into this next card? There's a, a lot more going on here. Sure. Uh, next card is Primeval Spawn. It is five white, blue, black, red, green for a ten ten creature avatar. If it would enter the battlefield and it wasn't cast or no mana was spent to cast it, exile it instead. It has vigilance, trample, and lifelink. And when it leaves the battlefield, exile the top ten cards of your library. You may cast any number of spells with total mana value 10 or less from among them without paying their mana costs. 
So this is incredibly expensive and it's impossible to cheat it. Uh, so I, I don't know why. And it, and even if like you pay full retail or, or even if you like cut it in half with like a Joda and just pay the, the Wooberg part, it's still like, doesn't do anything until it dies. Uh, so like, it's just a 10, 10 French vanilla beater until it, until, unless you also have a way to get rid of it. Like a card this expensive and this difficult to cast. And like, that has like so many like safety features, so many like, you know, child locks or whatever. Child. <laughs> yeah. That like shouldn't it should do more. This is not mm. a card to to make anyone happy, I think. Yeah, I, I literally didn't like and it takes a few reads to really understand like what's going on too. Um because I thought like so if I like Elvish Piper this in, I get to cast the top ten nope. cards in my life. And I was like, oh, oh no, 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 no. If it, it if it if would, it would. It, the replacement effect, yeah. Yeah. I was like, really can I'm like, why would they just print <laughs> I was like, what is going on? But yeah, it is it is exactly like I just think it um what like if I can reanimate like an Eldrazi, albeit with like timing restrictions, like why can't I reanimate a 1010 Vigilance Trample Life? Like, you know, like it's it's weird. I know I know there's the extra card stuff on it. It's just yeah, it's so strange. Like, what a freaking card! Um, the one place that this is really crazy is Joda because you do spend mana on it. You're not spending ten. You are spending Wooberg. Um, I don't even know if that's crazy. Like, I I think a five a a 1010 Vigilance Trample Life Link for Wooberg is fair just <laughs> fine well then you get the like all the other things for free because you like, yeah, but, but in only but only if you like have a way to only if like either the joda player spends their own removal on their own primeval spawn that they just paid wooberg for like it it's it just seems i, I think it's <sighs> just like a rattlesnake because as soon as joda gets this down like primeval spawn um like you're basically daring anyone to like mess with it. You're like, all right, like, what are you going to do now? <laughs> I, I'm fine. I, it's cool. You have your tent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny that like, um, dark steel mutation and like lignify and whatnot mm-hmm. really screw this card. Yeah. Um, that's pretty funny. Some like, uh, Kenrith's transformation or whatever. Um, just, Goodbye, Primeval Spawn. Yeah. It was Elk to know you, you know. But, yeah, what a weird... What a weird... I mean, and not the first time we said that for this deck, but not the last time either. Do you want to get uh, through this next one that's also just very silly? Be sure. Uh, so this is Two-Headed Hellkite. It is one blue... Sorry, white, blue, black, red, green. You know the cost, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's six um, mana. It's one Wooberg. Uh, for a five-five creature dragon, flying menace haste. When it attacks, draw two cards. Like, I don't even know why they put a one on this. It just like <laughs> was yeah. was it like very careful, like casual play design input that led it to the one being added to this card. I don't. Know. Um, <laughs> draw, drawing two cards a turn is is like 
it's fine. I mean, it's not bad, but like this card is very fragile. Like they can just kill it before you get to your combat step. And of course the mana cost is super brutal. Um, like, I don't even know if I would be psyched to run this in Gigantha. Um, well, I would play this in Gigantha. Okay. That's all right. Fine. Yeah. But I, right. I do agree that like some of these other five color decks we talked about, like I don't really see the point. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mean, it's it's fine in Scion of the Year Dragon. You know, you're like, all right, well, Scion's here. Uh, I draw now. I draw two more cards. That's like, <laughs> that's. A, I don't know. That's like uh, that seems like a really underwhelming sign. Like <laughs> you're you are literally choosing not to win the game in order to draw your two cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what. If there's anything that casual play design is trying to do, it's trying sure. to get you to do that. You know. Okay. Do you? Oh, actually, you know, here's what I wasn't thinking of earlier. Like the maybe the one mana is there so that you'll feel good for putting it in your Ur-Dragon deck and get the cost reduced by one. Oh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, so that you feel like you're getting a discount. Yeah. that's <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that might have been it. Um, God, yeah. So I, we're, we're ripping through these. Do you want to do... All right. Unite the Coalition is two white, blue, black, red, green for an instant. Choose five. You may choose the same mode more than once. Target permanent phases out. Target player draws a card. Exile target player's graveyard. Unite the coalition deals two damage to any target. Or destroy target artifact or enchantment. Uh, well, it's seven mana. Do you think that this provides seven mana worth of value? Um... Under very particular circumstances, yes, but like mostly no. Like you could do like a grand crescendo to do a lot of the permanent phases out part of this. You could just literally use any draw spell <laughs> to draw like mm-hmm. more or equal amount of cards. You could um, exile graveyards for free a lot of the time. So I think like casting this, you'll be able to like do stuff, affect the board, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, like maybe in Gigantha because you can you know, just cast it. <laughs> yeah because like there it kind of just costs two ish mm-hmm. um but yeah in in majority of commander decks even majority of five color decks no would not do that yeah absolutely so this next card is uh one of the artifacts you may be like well how do they figure this deck is gonna work well here you go there's two of them obsidian obelisk is an artifact for two mana it says it enters tapped, uh, and it taps for colorless, and it taps for one mana of any color. Spend this mana only to cast multicolored spells. So, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's sure. It's a sure is a mana rock. Uh, yeah, it's I don't really get what deck is going to want to run this. Like the fact that it comes into play tapped and mostly and, and like outside of certain circumstances only taps for colorless. Like even the five color decks can probably do better. Like a a far seek or a like three visits or a nature's lore is likely going to get you better fixing than this card and will be less vulnerable to removal. Because mm-hmm. um, like you know we have all the trilands these days. You can just like get it like nature's lore for a tryland is so much better than this yeah <laughs> um 
or or like a far seat gets you like literally any three color combination you could want yeah totally. Um, so yeah i don't know even in a three color deck if i would want to run this yep pretty much right there with you uh this next one is probably the coolest card that we're going to talk about today honestly um because it's very funny um it is called Tiller Engine. It's a two-mana artifact creature construct. Uh, it's a 1-3. It says whenever a land enters the battlefield tapped under your control, choose one. Untap that land or tap target non-land permanent and opponent controls. Uh, so what am I going to be doing most of the time? <laughs> um, well, in know. this it, deck, the answer is easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's some, I think this deck has every triumph or not every triumph, every triland. No, I like wish Kimara. it had every triumph. Yeah, that would have yeah. been... um but yeah from the alara slash uh cons block all of those are here um there's a bunch of um yeah there's just a bunch of etb tapped there's the bad rivers um so like the etb tapped fetches are all printed in this deck as well which is pretty fun it's so wild that like uh that they put like tapped duels and like the bad river effects in the same deck. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're going to crack your rocky. So your rocky tar bit comes into play tapped. You untap it. You're so stoked. You you crack it and sacrifice it to go get like a cinder glade, which also comes into play. Yeah. <laughs> or so you're ridiculous. like smoldering marsh, which will get <laughs> into play tapped. Like mm-hmm. it's so funny. Like I can't. I can't. Yeah, it's. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll say okay. I'd re- really quickly before we we like dunk on this deck more thoroughly. Uh, so Amulet of Vigor does see a ton of play in Patron of the Moon. Um, like also like Karametra might be interested in it. Like Arcalos yeah. maybe the guy who, like makes everything come and tapped if he's tapped. Um, so there are like at least three decks in the format that can make use of this card. Yeah, but is in this deck too for oh, some reason very nice yeah. uh well let's i let's talk about what isn't in this deck yes uh chromatic lantern is not in this deck the world tree is not in this deck uh <laughs> dryad of the elysian grove is not in this deck prismatic omen is not in this deck uh celestial dawn is not in this deck like there's a lot of extremely easy fixing like that wouldn't break the bank that wouldn't like, you know, keep this hand, this deck out of the hands of Timmy's that they could have put in here. And instead we get like the worst five color mana base you've ever seen in your life. Uh, with, uh, more than 10 basics in, in this five color. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and like a, a billion tap lands. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, where's the world tree itself? Why don't you just give me that instead? I Honestly, think it'll do a lot more work for me. Yeah, like a world tree and like a like a, a far what's the the Sylvan tutor or whatever, you know, like just like Oh yeah, Sylvan scrying. Sylvan yeah. scrying, yeah, just like literally like just please just let me yeah. cast my cards. Yeah, I I honestly so okay. I think I understand the thought process behind the deck. I do I do like hate the deck, I'll say that. Yeah. Um but when you were first starting out in Magic, how did you feel when you saw a card with Wooburg in the cost? Uh, I was like, it was pretty surprising. It's like really cool to look at, you know? You're like, oh, wow, this is crazy. I, I agree. I thought that like Wooburg costs were like awesome when I first started out. And I think it's that 
feeling that they're targeting with this deck. That's why it's that's why they bothered in the first place. Like they are going mm-hmm. for the the most Timmy, least enfranchised player who like you know still is able to feel a, a glimmer of joy <laughs> when they play this game. Uh, the people who have not lost their uh their self and their inner child to cynicism over the course of a decade playing commander um but for and, and so like i guess for that player do you think it will i i mean do you think it'll satisfy them mm, i think like in very very casual so like a kid like a, a 12 year old kid um uh, spends their christmas money on this deck, I think they'll have a good time, but I think the one thing that the deck does that is actually kind of like a negative for people like us, that's a positive for them, mm-hmm. is it gives them like a ton of commanders and a ton of these bad fixing for their other non-five color decks. So like if you buy this deck, all of a sudden you can make a Xeris, you can make a Surak Dragon Claw, you can make a Savala Explorer Return, there's Rien, Angel of Rebirth in there, there's like Nethroi, uh, there's like <laughs> Like all of these like cards that make the deck worse to play out of the box that all of a sudden are added to like Zexara, the exemplary, the like Hydra guy, like all of these cards that like a new player might be like, oh, that's cool are here that they could take like Atla Palani. Like, why is Atla Palani in this deck? I don't know, but <laughs> like, <laughs> like, uh, she is. And so like a new player is going to pick up this deck and like see these legends and maybe be like, Oh, I want to actually make this deck. So, as like an entryway for new players, I don't think it's terrible. But like, as a deck, as a standalone like game that you buy at the store for forty five dollars or something like that, like this seems awful. Okay, I I think I I like that theory though that it's like a teaching tool. Like it sees it understands the 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 folly that lies in the hearts of the new player yeah. and like tries to divert them into something that will actually be more fun for them. Yeah. Cause it, and it has a lot of like things that new players might need. There's the cultivates, there's the like explore and explosive vegetations and far seeks. There's a time wipe. So you get a board wipe that like you might not run into if you're a new, new player, you get painful truths, So you get to see how good painful truths is, you know, mm-hmm. there's like, a bunch of um of just step path to exiles in the deck so that's let's terminate um growth spiral so there's like a ton of stuff that like are staples that this is giving you but all collectively as a whole it's kind of just like a pile of cards Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know so for us and for any of our listeners that's like a negative right like this is not cohesive there's no real theme to speak of but for like a new player, it's like, oh, well, here's an instant like starting point for like your commander experience. Okay. Which I don't I don't know if I like maybe that's gonna work for them, but I don't I have no clue. I, I would I just hate hate charging a new player forty dollars for something that is like intended to be bad. Cause <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Uh like yeah, neither of these commanders seem like good at, at all. Um, and whereas like, you know, at, at least they put one solid option in Legends Legacy. I, although I don't really get why they just felt the need to put Planeswalker face cards if they were going to like kind of kind of nerf them both. Like, yeah, I, I mean, Jared seems very bad. And but like Dehada, 
uh, I mean, it doesn't seem awesome if you're not leaning into like kind of the antisocial aspects of the card. Mm-hmm. So what are your overall thoughts on pain bow or, or on the set of precons? Yeah, let's do, let's do pain bow first, because I think as everyone has been hearing, like this is like not very cohesive, right? So you got all these bits for new players is my assumption for this, but like as a deck, it, I think it falls pretty flat. Uh, the, the only cool thing that pain bow is really doing is like giving us mana cannons, you know, like mm-hmm. there's not a lot of other stuff. Like if you're playing a five color commander, the Iridian Maelstrom, the the wrath is cool. Like I feel like there's some people that are going to see primeval spawn and like from text threads that I've been in, it seems like primeval spawn has hit with like the right group of people. Even if I don't know if it's going to see why, adoption you know so that's that is whatever but i i just feel like the they really didn't put the power into the theme like if they really wanted you to be casting like wooberg spells like five color spells like they really they just didn't incentivize it enough and jared absolutely does not incentivize it mm-hmm. enough and jensen absolutely does not incentivize it enough you know like how many they're so disjointed right now all the different five color like we were spells that like you're going to need to do more than give me an angel to make me want to put like a tog a tog next to like maelstrom art angel next to confluence next to you know what i mean like mm-hmm. like why <laughs> why why would i even want to do this yeah and man i just can't get over how bad this mana base is uh, I will say it is better than the previous Wooberg precon, uh, which would be the the dragon deck from Commander 2017. Mm-hmm. But it's the mana costs in this deck are so ridiculous compared to that list. Um, it's just like the it, it's much much harder to cast anything in this list, and there's going to be a lot more turns where you're just sitting there, kind of doing nothing and waiting for stuff to happen. Um, Let's see, I've got some quick stats for you just comparing the two decks. Um, In the C-17 Dragon deck, uh, let's see, there were three Wooberg costs. Uh, There are ten Wooberg costs, that is, uh, spells that have the full white, blue, black, red, green in their mana cost in the new DMC deck. Uh, There were eleven three-color spells in the C17 deck and there were or sorry there were uh 5 three color spells in the C17 deck and 11 three color spells in the DMC deck so it's just the mana costs are way more onerous and like i mentioned earlier the deck does not have the tools you need to really fix your mana base there are a couple cards that you know if you put in the world tree you put in sylvan scrying you put in crop rotation you put in expedition map you put in just a handful of like relatively inexpensive cards, barring the world tree. Um, you could make it so this deck can consistently just have the mana it needs to cast its spells, but they didn't do that. And so now you're stuck with a bunch of basics and just like fighting your mana base to even cast your commander. 
Yeah. I mean, even even the World Tree, like, if you're not getting the promo one, it's only three bucks. And that oh, seems really? to be, yeah. And that seems okay. to be like the price range that they like to put these staples at. Cause like, if any of the staples, like, it is true they put a lot different cards in these decks now than they used to. Um, like, the, I think that's the biggest criticism about them lately has been like the decks have been so much better than they have like ever been for the most part. Like there's Mm -hmm. pretty much very little chaff in the decks as of late that the mana bases really stick out (laughs) because you're like, well, if you're going to print all of those, why not print like good lands? Like why, Mm -hmm. why not? It doesn't even have to be like crazy expensive ones. And like, it doesn't have to be, it could be like, just make the art bad or something. (laughs) Like (laughs) there's so many ways you could figure out to make, the lands accessible and in the deck and not the reason why everyone is buying yeah. these things. Just and, bring back the kids from that charity secret layer drop. Yeah. Have them <laughs> illustrate the cards. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> exactly. If the, I'll do a doodle uh, hallowed fountain any day, you know, I'd play with mm-hmm. them. So it's, it's just kind of sad that like it's that even this, even in these decks where like they are doing a lot better than they have been. It's still like all, but like what, like 12 cards. I know the battlefield tapped, mm-hmm. you know, like that's crazy. There's 39 lands in this deck and like, it's basically just the basics that will not enter the battlefield tapped. And that's insane. Like, I guess there's a uh, exotic orchard in there too. Command tower. So, yeah, I mean, it's still like, you're going to see a lot of the words enter the battlefield tapped in this deck. And I mean, they, clearly they're aware of the problem or they wouldn't have designed uh, the, um, the tiller engine. Guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah, not, not in love with this deck, but again, we are not the target audience. We'll see how the, you know, the extremely casual players respond to it. Uh, but I, I think that is it. I, I do want to give a disclaimer. Like we we know there are technically a lot of uh, DMC cards that we're not covering today. There's all these like you know box topper exclusive legends that kind of thing. Uh, we're going to be covering those in the main set review, and this episode is just purely focused on the things you can get in the precons. Uh, but that is it. We've got another episode coming out next week which is going to be extremely long we're gonna yeah, get help get from our good friend alex white clay is going to be uh doing a, a little guest analysis and deck building so look forward to that um but that brings us to the end of this episode i want to give a brief thank you to our patreon patrons they are gustav addison rick Raphael, kyle laser charlotte the white clays hannah james logan Roger, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jamie, Matthew, Kyle, Brandon, Kevin, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Charles, Daniel, Andrew, Jason, Paul, Johan, Jonathan, Christian, Jim, Andrea, Vasilios, Logan, Fugabrudel, Carl Oscar, Danny B, Mifflin, Jean-Francois, Drew, Recta, Nick, BJ, and Cameron. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron, but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening.
You can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Commander Theory. And on Twitter, I am at Fat Bartleby. You can also email us at commandertheory at gmail.com. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Nick Cage. You can check him out on SoundCloud. And if you're interested in some other creative products I'm working on, I have a band you can check out. We are a pink punk, pop punk band called The Have Nots, all one word like Cosmonauts. Uh, you can listen to all of our music for free right now. You can just head over to thehavenots.bandcamp.com. That is T-H-E-H-A-V-N-A-U-T-S.bandcamp.com. And check us out. Let me know what you think.